Hello again. This is the series of short podcasts where Forest Flora hears from somebody about a plant or garden from their past, one that's part of their life now and one they'd like to be involved with in the future. This time we left North East London and we went to Essex, to the renowned Beth Chateau's Plants and Gardens, where we spoke to the head gardener there, Osa Gregor's Warg. I think the one plant that I associate with arriving here at Beth Chateau's in spring 2001 is a bulb. It's a Muscari macrocarpum, which is the lovely scented um, yellow grape hyacinth. And um, I remember arriving, I was um, staying in a caravan on site, came straight from the airport and, and opened the door. And this sweet scent just sort of hit me. And I saw this little sort of posy, a little vase on the table in the caravan, and I couldn't quite work out where, where the scent came from. And um, eventually I worked out that um, it was this muscari, muscari macrocarpum. And it was just such a sort of sweet, welcoming gesture. So that bulb has got a really special place in my heart. I think most people are familiar with uh, the more common grey pythons, mainly blue ones. And this is actually a yellow one, but it opens, it emerges with sort of dusky purple buds. And then as the tubular flowers um, mature and, and open, they, they turn yellow. And it's perhaps not the most eye-catching Muscari, but the scent is just so wonderful and it's definitely worth, you know, finding a spot in, in your garden or like I do, I grow it um, in a pot outside the back door so I can cut one or two flowers and, and, and bring it inside. It's not as strong growing, I suppose, or some might say invasive as other Muscaris, which may self-seed too prolifically, but it's definitely really worth growing and it just uh, I think the first plant I associate with with coming here to to Bathiatos it needs a bit more moisture in the spring um, during the growing season and then it quite likes being dry when it's dormant in the summer and uh, in autumn or, or late summer it's ideal to to lift the clumps if they become congested and split them up and uh, replant them I trained as a gardener in Sweden and worked there for a few years. Um, I was a career changer and um, I just happened to come across an article about Beth Chateau and just fell in love with uh, the beautiful photographs. And then I went on to read a couple of her books and just felt that, you know, I needed to spend time in the garden. I wanted to work with her and learn from her. So I wrote her a letter and she very kindly agreed for me to come. So in 2001, I came over to, to work for six months, but it turned into 20 years. I think what really drew me to Beth's style of planting was um, it felt natural, not a wild gardening style at all. I loved her, her use of textures and colours and shapes it was the opposite to a formal garden. You could tell she was a, you know, plantswoman who knew her plants. She obviously had a very keen artistic eye as well. So it was that combination, you know, somebody who really knew her plants and loved plants, but also was able to put them together in, in a beautiful way.
Well, the garden I'm involved in now is obviously here at Beth Chateau's Plants and Gardens. I now work as the head gardener and my job is really to carry on Beth's legacy in the garden, look after the garden, make sure that um, it's always continues to evolve. It's not a museum. Beth always used to say um, it's not like a painting hanging on a wall. A garden will always change and evolve. But the key thing is to keep to Beth's ethos and her planting principles. She was very much ahead of her time when she started gardening in 1960. And her ethos, I think, has never been more important than, than these days. Gardening in a sustainable way, working with nature rather than against it. So our job here at the gardens is to also to inspire people, but also create a garden or keep a garden that's, you know, somewhere an oasis for people to come and just enjoy. In 1960, Beth and her husband, Andrew Chateau, um, decided to move here. Uh, they were living with Beth's mother-in-law on the other side of Colchester. Andrew Chateau was a fruit farmer, so the surrounding fields were all his apple orchards. Beth had been told that the, the garden she was living at uh, on very heavy clay soil. She'd never be able to make the type of garden that she, she wanted. So Beth and Andrew decided to move here and uh, make the most of what most people would have considered a very difficult site. So the garden itself here is about seven and a half acres. And there's a range of growing conditions from very sandy gravel to quite heavy moist clay. Um, and this just enabled Beth to grow very different types of plants um, in a fairly small garden. Beth had been involved in the flower club movement. Uh, she was a very keen uh, flower arranger. She was very much inspired by Ikebana, the Japanese way of arranging flowers, where you got heaven and man and, and earth represented in the flower arrangement. And she was really using that in her garden. She was much more interested in in having a tall focal point and then sort of having a almost sort of invisible line leading down to the ground. So the way she would create her flower arrangements, she would create her borders in the same way. Uh, her focus was always on textures and shapes and forms. She very much disliked anything big and blousy and, and overbred hybrids. Uh, she was much more interested in species plants or species looking plants. Um, she wanted the garden to really sort of blend in with the surrounding countryside. At the time she was lecturing, um, doing flower demonstrations, traveling up and down the country. She taught herself how to drive and um, she went out in her garden and picked bits and pieces, uh, some flowers, some seed heads, some foliage, and then taught people how to put it um, together in a in a beautiful arrangement. And people started asking where they could buy all these fairly unusual plants that she'd been given from um, other gardener friends. So she set up a small nursery uh, with the help of just one lady uh, who helped on a Saturday or on a Sunday. And then eventually she kept developing the garden. She started writing a column in the local newspaper. She went on to do Chelsea, where she exhibited her nursery, where she won 10 consecutive gold medals. But the interesting thing is that she was nearly disqualified at her very first RHS show. 
one of the smaller shows because one of the judges thought that she was bringing weeds. I can't remember if it was a foxglove, but it was something that wasn't at the time considered a proper garden plant. So it's really interesting to, to think how much times have changed. I mean, if you go to Chelsea these days, you'll see foxgloves everywhere. But in those days, it was really about, you know, overbred, you know, hybrids, the, the bigger and the more colourful, the better. And she was going in the complete opposite way. And also when she exhibited her nursery in the Flora Marquis at Chelsea Flower Show, she decided that she wanted to bring the garden to Chelsea. So rather than doing what most people were doing at the time, lining up all their plants, sort of neatly labelled, straight rows, she decided that she wanted to show how you put the plants together in the garden. So she had a, a, a display where there was a little piece of the gravel garden with drought-tolerant plants. And the other side was more shade loving plants, um, and also some plants from, from her damp garden, the water garden. And that's actually what we see these days when we go to Chelsea. That's how most nurseries would display the plants. Right plant, right place is the phrase uh, that's most associated with, with Beth Chateau. Um, it's really her ethos and philosophy uh, when it comes to how you put plants together. It really started with Andrew Chateau, her husband who went over to California as a young boy with his American mother. And he spotted all these plants that he thought had been brought over from, from England. But he was told that it's actually the other way around. These are California native plants, but somebody's brought them over to the UK. And that really triggered a lifelong passion for Andrew trying to find out where do garden plants originate from? You know, how do they grow in the wild? What plant associations are they happy with? Do they grow high up on a mountain? Do they grow on the south side or the north side? So Beth was really the artistic one, the sort of hands-on gardener. And Andrew provided this knowledge. So right plant, right place is all about working with nature and the growing conditions that you got rather than fighting against it. So Beth would never have created her gravel garden, for example, if she didn't have a garden where there is five, six meters of sandy gravel that she needed to, to find the right plants for. It doesn't necessarily mean that all the plants need to come from one part of the world. In the gravel garden, for example, we got plants from South America next to um, something from South Africa, next to something from the Mediterranean region. But it's just looking at where plants naturally grow and try and sort of emulate those conditions, selecting the, the right plants for the, the type of growing conditions you got. I think a big misconception is that, you know, if you want to create a gravel garden, for example, you should do that regardless of, of the soil you got. The most important thing is to look at your own garden. What is the soil like? How much rain do you have? All the other conditions that, you know, you need to take into consideration, you know, are you right next to the sea? Is it, I don't know, heavy air pollution? And then you start from there looking at suitable plants that will not just survive, but actually thrive.
think for the future, what I'm really hoping is that um, during the pandemic, we've seen so many people come to realise, you know, how much they enjoy gardening and how much they need green spaces. I'm just hoping it's not a short-lived trend. I don't think it is. I think there's definitely a need uh, for green spaces and making sure that, you know, if you're working from home, that you've got a, a nice environment around you. It might just be house plants. It might be, you know, some pots on your balcony. It might be a communal garden uh, or an allotment that you can go to and enjoy. Or it might be that you visit, you know, other gardens or you, you got the opportunity to, you know, make your own garden. What we've noticed since the pandemic is a very different type of visitor. We still got our, our usual regular keen gardeners who come along, but we also got a lot of people who probably never ever visited a garden before. And it's just really great to, to see how much they enjoy being in this beautiful space. It's great when they bring, you know, children, um, that perhaps never been able to, to visit a garden before. Our education trust, which was set out by Beth, uh, the Beth Chateau Education Trust, organises and sometimes funds uh, schools to, to come and visit. And um, I think it's just really important to, to make sure that future generations understand how important it is to to live in, in a symbiosis, I suppose, with, with, with nature and the green around them. We need to be much more aware um, and responsible to garden in a sustainable way, uh, whether that's being you know, careful with how we use water, uh, reduce pesticides and herbicides, um, not using peat, uh, going for peat-free options instead. But I think it's also really important to just enjoy gardening as well. Thank you for listening. Forest Flora is a community interest company that showcases horticultural events and volunteering opportunities across the London borough of Waltham Forest. Mm-hmm.